from director Robert Altman comes a story yeah. of Hollywood. I got a writer in here who's got a pitch I think you ought to hear. I think it's hot. We open outside San Quentin. The Graduate, part two. And Mrs. Robinson had a stroke, so she can't talk. It's going to be funny? Yeah, it'll be funny. Griffin Mill is a hotshot studio executive. Yes. Angelica, Griffin Mill. Oh, hi. Good to see you. Malcolm McDowell. Hi, how are you? Hi, Bert. Good oh, to hi, see you. Good to see you. He's heard every pitch. That's exactly right. It's Out of Africa meets Pretty Woman. He knows all the angles. We're going to have to have a little sex in this mystery. Okay, sure, of course. We'll get it. Slowly pushes her panties down to her knees. And all the players. We're the stars. No stars. No stars. Bruce Willis. I want Bruce Willis. Not Bruce Willis. No Schwarzenegger. Junior Robbins. Now he's about to star. How did this get here? They're coming from a writer. Hello, is David Kahane there, please? This is. This is Griffin Mill. Oh, the dead man. In his most unforgettable story yet. Stop all the postcards. I don't I like postcards. postcards. I learned from the This is a tough story, a tragedy. Not unlike Ghost meets Manchurian Candidate. The trouble is. Something you have to know. If you want to pass it in with intent to kill, you could go to the gas chamber. It's not a movie. I'd like you to come down to the station. I would hate to get the wrong person arrested. Oh, please. This is Pasadena. We do not arrest the wrong person. That's LA. It's his life. Are you seeing someone else? Oh, you took her to a party, Griffin, with several hundred of my best friends. Do places like this really exist? Only in the movies. Robert Altman's The Player. Can we talk about something other than Hollywood for a change? Yes. We're educated yeah. people. Sure. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hollywood Hits and Kung Fu Kicks. Hello. It's me, Ethan. And I'm Nathaniel. We're coming back with our Hollywood episode yep. to follow up. Ethan's bit again. Yes, we are. Uh, this is a podcast where uh, I uh, pick uh, Hollywood uh, movies for adults from the past, yep. and uh, Nathaniel picks some uh, kung fu movies, <laughs> and we alternate between those and, we just and talk. Uh, discuss them in a yeah. similar way. Yeah. So today's subject is, of course, the Robert Altman film, The Player, <laughs> the satirical comedy uh, directed by Robert Altman, uh, shot by. Jean Lapine, and written by Michael Tolkien, based on his book. And this thing, I can tell you, we both love this movie. I love this movie. On a side note, I'm determined to make you the Ira Glass of movie podcasts, because your voice. I don't know. (laughs) Your voice. (laughs) What are you talking about? We'll see. We're going to make it happen. We'll do this American Life parody on every podcast. Absolutely. Every single time. And then one day, Ira Glass is going to listen to it, and he's going to be a fan. And then you guys are going to take a selfie and be best friends. Yes, we are. It's going to be amazing. Definitely. But The Player. It's a film. It's a film directed by Robert Altman. Yes, it is. And it's also a little jab at the old movie Hollywood industry. Yes, it is. Uh, A masterful crying caper Mm -hmm. that... uh, just weaves its way through uh, dozens of Hollywood celebrity cameos. Many, many Hollywood celebrity cameos. As himself. And they all know Tim Robbins, his yep. character. Mm-hmm. Griffin, the player, I and mean, himself. Yes. He is the player. He is the player. The he's, player. He's a Hollywood studio executive. Yeah. But first, uh, we can say that this film stars Tim Robbins mm-hmm. and Greta Sachi, as well as Fred Ward, Whoopi Goldberg, Peter Gallagher, Brian James, and Cynthia Stevenson. Yep. And then, 
Well, yeah. Um, our, our boy Tim, he's uh, he's a little stinker. He's a little stinker. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's a dickhead. He's a dickhead. Uh, he's your classic uh, Joel Silver, uh, Phil movie producer in here, mm-hmm. Robert Evans fill in. Other one. It's almost like Joel Silver doesn't like those kinds John of John Peters, yeah. <laughs> um, fill any of those in. That's who Griffin Mill is. Mm-hmm. But the director of this picture is Robert Altman. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, he was one of the kings of new Hollywood in the 70s. Conquered that decade. So Nashville. many, so so many, many great movies. films. So many de- defining films in terms of uh, the, the movement, uh, having, having directors that have more influence over things. I'm just going to say right now, we're going go to go on a lot of Popeye uh, tangents right now. Um, we're not. I mean, I'm going to mention it because it's very critical to his career arc. Yes, it is. But it's also fucking crazy. It's also fucking crazy. I haven't seen. I really the need fuck? to. I really need to. Anyway, uh, he's one of the kings of that. He breaks out with a future, maybe possible future episode subject, Mash. Mm-hmm. That movie did incredibly well. So on the TV show, yeah, incredibly successful one too. Yeah, and he kind of gets uh, carte blanche on a lot of stuff. I've seen that movie. Yeah, he makes uh, stuff like Nashville and Cave and Mrs. Miller yep. and many others that are great and mm-hmm. maybe not maybe not as successful financially or oh, yeah. about more. But there are so many great ones in that decade. But at the beginning of the next one, uh, after uh, some of his other some of his movies uh, are critical hits, but don't really permeate the culture that much because they're low budget. Financially. Not really. Yeah. Uh, they were just, you know, they were small movies that like played well with critics, but didn't mm. really make much money outside mm. of that, and they were low budget. Mm. But uh, because a lot of people liked them so much in Hollywood because of that, uh, he gets hired to direct Popeye yes, in yes. 1980. Yep. And uh, it becomes kind of a calamity for him. Uh, the, the production of the movie isn't great. Uh, despite it being one of his highest grossing movies he made, yep. uh, it was still being a financial disappointment because it cost so much money, Starring and it was kind of billed as a blockbuster. And, uh, and Shelley Duvall. Yeah. And he kinda, all of oil. And he kind of goes off the rails at that point, where uh, he that, that kind of puts him into a real fallow 80s mm. period, where he uh, becomes a vagrant <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, drinking a lot, gambling a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we know this from a podcast that we listened to that we won't name, but um, uh, yes, uh, that, that this is this is how we know this. We will not name that one. Yes, but it's 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 present mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs> um, he has a really fallow period in the eighties. He doesn't really make too many. He, he obviously because in the seventies he made like made a movie a year, maybe two in a year. Like he was crazy hot. Yeah. And the eighties he slows down. They don't really uh, permeate too much. Yeah. Right. So the player is one of the clear. Films in Hollywood history that survived the director yeah. because he was acclaimed for movies that came out 15 years ago, mm-hmm. and he suddenly suddenly comes out and makes this new movie that fucking amazing. That's really good, mm-hmm. and uh, gets an Oscar nomination once again. And screenplay, right? Uh, director, best director. director. Well, he didn't write the screenplay, so oh, he gets an Oscar nomination oh, for best director. And uh, it played in competition at the Cannes Film Festival, and he won Best Director at that Cannes Film Festival. Interesting. This is a real, real career comeback for him. Super okay with that win. And then he makes uh, Shortcuts. There's another movie that after this that that is a lot more well known mm-hmm. because he's kind of back. Yes. This movie gets uh, three nominations: director, adapted screenplay, and best editing. Yes. Because it is based on a book. It's based on a book written by the screenwriter. Mm-hmm. 
um, which has a sequel from 2006. Oh, it's called The Return of the Player. The Return of the Player, yes. But also, one other guy we can do context on is this old, the star of this picture, yep. Tim Robbins. One what of the guys. What a bonkers pick. One of the real guys. Yeah, man. Um, <clears throat> he starts out as a supporting player in the 80s uh, in terms of being in movies. Uh, he's in, of course, he is, he is one of the only three billed actors in Howard the Duck. Yep. Um... I remember that because I've seen that movie. <laughs> yeah, I have not. <laughs> Ethan, we need to watch out. George, Luke, Please. George Lucas was really, you know, he's he's making this real uh, stuff, making this happen. Quack foo. Yeah, quack foo, uh, duck tits, yep. everything. Yep. Yep. All his idea. The movie's demented. Uh, he also, of course, in Top Gun. Yep. And in Bull Durham, in supporting roles. Mm-hmm. What uh, movie called Shawshank Redemption? Well, I'll get to that. We will because. His first leading role is a movie I have seen, which is the Adrian Lyne directed psychological thriller Jacob's Ladder. That is his first leading role. Really? Yes. That is a mad first role. Yeah, it's a first leading role. That's that's crazy. Um, that's nuts. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And but uh, after that, this year is also kind of the emergent year for Tim Robbins because uh, he gets a lot of precursor. Uh, Awards nominations for his performance as Griffin Mill in this movie. No, yeah. no Oscar nomination, but he gets some precursor nominations, and he's yeah. uh, well liked in this movie as mm-hmm. a movie that's well liked. Yeah. And he also, if you know, um, this year as well, uh, he directs a movie, um, starring himself, uh, called Bob Roberts, <laughs> where he plays a, uh, a fictional conservative political candidate. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, look up the Bob Roberts it's, poster, everybody, so for watching. He's draped in an American flag. Yes, and he is. A, there's an acoustic guitar next to him, and he's naked. Yeah, and he's a it's old political satire. Tagline. He directs the movie. Vote first, ask questions later. Exactly. Great tagline. Yeah. Love that. And uh, he also gets acclaimed for that performance. <clears throat> I believe he gets like a Golden Globe or SAG nomination for that, for, oh, for comedy it. actor. Giancarlo Esposito is second billed in this movie. Yes, it is. That's weird. Yeah, and of course... Um, he would direct another acclaimed Oscar movie later, uh, Dead Man Walking, but mm-hmm. this is his first movie he directed. And he also got acclaimed for this. So this is really a breakout year for him. Man, Ray Wise, Gore Vidal, John Cusack, Alan Rickman, Susan Sarandon, James Spader, a lot of these people are in the player. <laughs> um, yeah, well... <laughs> I mean, every fucking person well, is in the player. Everybody in the player. Literally every actor yeah. in Hollywood in 1992 is in the player. Yeah, it's because so funny. Bobby Altman, I mean, he's probably a big influence on all these people's Movies with mm-hmm. careers, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, like Bruce Willis. Oh, you know, well, I think yeah. Um, <laughs> Bruce Willis probably watched a lot of those fucking yeah. movies. Right? Bruce Willis with hair. Yeah, Love exactly. That. So I mean, uh, he kind of pulled in everybody. Uh, everybody was game to work with a legend coming back. I mean, why wouldn't they be? That's how we get you the build. It's Robert Altman. Yeah, it's Robert Altman. Well, yeah, um, and he's really coming back in. Um, apparently. Yeah, it was like his first like movie he'd released like through like a a quote unquote like studio. Well, well the, the last context I'll get into is the distributor of this movie, mm-hmm. which is uh, fine line uh, pictures because we're gonna talk a little about new line cinema, which is something that which is a company that has a very t- colored history. Mm-hmm. Uh, their, their model in the 80s is something that we do not see at all anymore 
because at least and gets because unlike A twenty four, where Bruce is like kind of like you know like intellectual whatever movies, yeah. right? Uh, New Line Cinema cuts their teeth in uh, trashy genre movies, yeah, and as an independent uh, distributor of movies, and you know what uh, what thing uh, ultimately gets them very liquid with cash, right? What is this? Uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street ah, series. There you go. That's what really uh, puts them on the map. <laughs> Looking up the highest grossing U line films is really funny. Well, yeah. Well, well that's way after because you're going to see Lord of the yeah, Rings there. It's, that's it's a, that's, really, that's yeah, some way more permutations that we won't get into because yeah. it's past this movie. Quite a lot. But... One of them is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I just want to say that. Yes. That's another one. Damn, that's another one. Because that was, that was an independent film. Yep. Because it was produced by fucking like Ray Golden Harvest, right? Yes. Yeah. So like, <laughs> we talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, all coming together. Well, yeah. Well, that's why New Line has that because it's not because <laughs> because nobody thought the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was a good well as a movie. Who would, who would think that? I don't know what the twenty fifth uh, highest grossing movie they ever made was. It was straight out of Compton from twenty fifteen. Yeah. Well, that that's again many many permutations later. Anyway. They get success with those Nightmare on Elm Street movies and some more movies. So yes. they decide to make because they try to they're trying to become like a real studio. Mm-hmm. They they create a a a, a prestige uh, movie label of themselves, which yes. I think is crazy. I yep. didn't even know they had one. Same name. Fine Line Pictures. Ah. They start that label in nineteen ninety or nineteen ninety one. Yeah, nineteen ninety one. So it's very near this movie coming out. Uh, in their first year, they distribute uh, uh, Jane Campion's An Angel at My Table and uh, Gus Van Sant's My Own Private Idaho. They distribute those two movies, yeah. as well as some others. They are pretty prolific in this time. They just kind of hit the ground running. Oh, yeah. And The Player is the first movie that they are able to get into successful Oscar campaign because yeah. it's not made they for started for the career for a few people, yeah, like Sam Raimi um, for uh, Evil Dead. Yeah, well... Evil Dead was an independent movie, though. Was that, that was, like, way before... That's before New Line, I think, was even founded. Well, that's before Nightmare on Elm Street. It says distributor only. It's interesting. Maybe it's, like, re-releases or something. Oh, that would make sense. Or something like that. I don't know. Hmm. Because it's, like, it's, it's a kind of early VHS also. That makes thing. sense. So maybe not. Um, they're still independent, and they get uh, gobbled up by Ted Turner in 1994. And they kind of get rolled in through those acquisitions, with Warner Brothers, and like being a label of Warner Brothers, and then being like integrated into Warner. They've had a weird history mm-hmm. in terms of like who they're owned by yeah. since they since being acquired. Yeah. And now they have that weird thing where have you seen recent movies where it's like the Warner Brothers logo, yes. and then it like gets it comes apart and like flying out pieces, and then forms a new so one. Epic. Like it's it's very so weird. So epic. And like. The thing I saw that on was like the many saints of Newark. I'm like, okay, well, that's what they're doing now. Yeah. All right, cool. I guess that's fine. <laughs> Love that. And it's just like they're a weird thing where, like, they're like, and like the whole thing with Lord of the Rings is something I I need to look more into about why it's exactly them and not Warner Brothers because yeah. those movies cost so much money. Yeah. But I mean, Warner Brothers still like fully owned them. So yeah. like even like because they stick like, flounced around all the time. Mm-hmm. Like when I went to the Warner Brothers studio tour when I was a kid. Uh, they had a lower rank shit because that was, you know... I did the Warner Brothers Studio Tour when I was an adult. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, there's Fine Line um, and the player context in general. So now we can get into the text of the film. And oh boy, we start this movie. with some masterful 
comedy and filmmaking <laughs> in yes. one. Seven, eight-minute tracking show? Yeah, uh, nine minutes. It's, it's <laughs> extremely long. Should have written down the timestamp. But yeah. it is very long and very impressive. Yeah, going through um, the studio day-to-day. Uh, so we see Griffin hearing some pitches. Yeah. Um, and we cut back between different characters that we, 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 we cut back between, yeah. between them, like, at the end of conversations, uh, we hear some guys say, uh, oh, you look, hey, it's Martin Scorsese! Kind of a clue, doesn't look like a Martin Scorsese Not even a little bit like Martin Scorsese. This movie also literally opens with a clapperboard, like, on the screen. Like, they clap down a clapperboard, and that's how the movie starts. Like, everyone yes. just starts acting. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, Griffin, he, uh, goes through, uh, the set. He's talking to some people. Uh, he's hearing pitches. We and of course, we, we have the classic, uh, riff, which I, it's one of the things I want to talk about. Yes. Is that this is a thing that is constantly, like, made fun of in terms of, like, a, uh, spoofs of Hollywood at the time. Yeah. Where it's... X combined with X. Yes. It's Die Hard meets yeah. whatever. Yeah. And that was the thing. That was the thing. I, I think it might have, like, this movie... I don't know if this movie, like, like was the origin of that or not. Yeah. Maybe? I, well... I don't know. I feel But basically, like, like, that was the thing when you parodied Hollywood pitch like This means is this. that. Yeah. This means this. Where it's, like, these are movies that are very good and yeah. original. And, like, yeah. now it just feels, like, so yeah. dire. Like, that was, like, that was such, like, a, a yeah. like, idyllic time. Or those were the movie pitches yeah. that cynical assholes made. <laughs> might be there. Because I've, I've <laughs> seen that joke in, like, The Simpsons a lot, too. And just, like, other, like, you know... <clears throat> you know, some of the other media things that do get really inside baseball with Hollywood and shit. That they're just like, oh, executives always pitch movies as this movie meets that movie. Yeah. And, uh, exactly. Well, yeah. I guess... Well, it's more like craven people trying to, like, yeah. sell a big script or whatever. And, like, this... Oh, oh it's Die Hard Meets And yeah. it's like... Yeah. Or it's like... Now it's just like... Let's do the right Knights of the Round Table cinematic universe. Yeah. Where we make one movie for each night of yeah, the round table. Yeah, that's what it and is And that was now. a pitch that was accepted. Someone needs to make that movie and, like, make that that the new, like... Well, it, it tried it already. Oh, oh! No, I'm saying, I'm saying, making a movie about this. Yes, yes making a movie about that being what the pitches sound like now, as yes. opposed to this meets this, right? Because that's right. what it is now. Yeah, like, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying that's the most damning example I feel yeah. is that, or that, or the Dark Universe, because that's because yes. those are ones that only had one movie. I mean, produced. the Dooku is its own thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Dude. But and also, I need to mention one of the threads we, we track throughout this tracking shot is mm. two guys just talking about some cinema, right? Yep. And they bring up that, like, man, you know, these movies today, all these, all this quick editing, this cut, MTV cut, cut, cut. Yeah. Orson Welles opened a touch of evil <laughs> with a six and a half minute tracking shot, and you're in the middle of an yeah. eight minute tracking shot. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. And he's just like, was it really that long? He's just like, ah, three minutes, whatever. He <laughs> set up the whole picture. He set up the whole picture. We need, to know, we know everything we need to know. That yeah. cuts. And then, like, there's another thing where I don't remember exactly what they say, but when they, when it cuts back to them, they're they, they then are talking about rope. Which is another movie yeah. that has a, yeah. appeared to be one shot. It's the great. same guy. It's, it's same, the fucking well, security guy. Yeah. And he's just obsessed with movies that have tracking shots. And he says, like, oh, my cousin worked on Rope or whatever. <laughs> Masterpiece. Also didn't have any cuts. Yeah. Which, it's just a brilliant way to start a movie. Dude, anyway. You should sit that guy down and make him watch Birdman. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. Look at this movie. 1917. 1917. Um, but anyway. 
<clears throat> the text of the film starts because it, it appears that, that Griffin, Griffin Mill, Tim Robbins, his job is in danger. His job is in danger is. by another up and coming executive. Yeah. And he feels like he's going to get fired. Larry Levy. Larry Levy. By whose name we hear a lot in the movie. Yes, we do. Which is we why I remember his name. <laughs> threats of Larry Levy. Yep. Uh, he's going to take his job. He's a Griffin. He's Griffin. He's too washed up. Yeah. He's not going to do too much he's anymore. He's not going to hack it. He's, like, he's not going <laughs> to hack it in this old studio. Mm-hmm. And of course, during this, he starts to receive. Some uh, curious threats yes. and messages from his fax machine. Very alarming postcard. Very alarming, uh, very alarming postcard yes. mail. Yep. Uh, Something any rational person yeah. would deliver the police to by now. Yeah. But for whatever reason, he is not. Whatever he is not <laughs> called the police about nope. it. He just gets these random things, yep. and he assumes that you know he's just a hot shot guy. Yep. Does so many rejections. Mm-hmm. It has to be some disgruntled screenwriter yeah. that he think that he somehow he rejected yeah. them. And now he's threatening to kill him. Yep. that's what he thinks. He's a he's a hot shot. He doesn't, <clears throat> he doesn't really think about yep. these things logically. Yes. He's an asshole. Yes, he is a self-absorbed <laughs> narcissistic dick. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he uh, just like just comes up. With a thing where, like, oh, I think it's this guy. Yep. I think this is one yep. guy that, like, I think I talked to a couple months ago. I just think it's this he guy. Yeah. The way he comes <laughs> up with this conclusion is that he, like, fake pitches a movie to his girlfriend. And he's like, hey, I have this pitch. I heard this pitch for a movie. Uh, some movie executive is getting threatened with postcards by this disgruntled writer. How, you know... Uh, you know, in terms of the plot of the movie, how long do you think it would be before a writer gets really dangerous like this? And she's like, oh, five months. Cut to him. <laughs> Looking through all the files and be like, fuck it, five months ago. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. Yeah. It doesn't, he, he thinks he's being logical, but it doesn't make any fucking sense no, at all. He's, he's, he's <laughs> thinking with movie logic. That's what makes it so funny. Because it's like, he's just yes. like going through and it's like, yeah. yes, I think this precise person yeah this is this is precise person yeah. let me let me go let yeah. me go and and, and, and unsolicited how, call his how, girlfriend it's, it works because of how straight tim robbins plays it. yeah he's just, like, <laughs> he's just like oh yeah of course <laughs> of course that's what you do he's just a dumbass yeah and he call he call he calls his girlfriend <laughs> yep. the writer's girlfriend that he thinks it is and he yes. says that the writer you know the writer he's a bit of a cinephile mm-hmm. you know and he's living out in the up up in the up near the valley in Pasadena. He's watching a movie. He's watching The Bicycle Thief. Yes, he is. He's watching, uh, and everyone, mm-hmm. everyone comments on it. It's like, man, Bicycle Thief, great film. Yep. <laughs> Somebody also talks about Freaks and how that's a great movie too later. Yeah. They just like watch old movies and like, you know, like... You know what? There, <laughs> the was, there was a comment about this that me too. About, about The Bicycle Thief. So that somebody said. Because... Obviously, this is a scene that is a very pivotal scene that for throughout the entire rest of the movie. Yeah. So I mean, like, um, what was I gonna say? Jeez, man. Uh, oh right, like, the bicycle thief. What about we? What about we remake that? <laughs> that that's a line of the movie. It's yeah. Pretty funny. He pitches it to the guy he thinks is <laughs> sending him threatening postcards because the way obviously the way he uh, feels he can deal with the situation. Is that he go? He has the bright idea of yeah, going well, to the movie. He goes to the movie because he know because the girlfriend t- tell his girlfriend tells him. That this writer, he's going to be seeing the bicycle thief yep. over in like Arclight or yeah. in, in Pasadena, right? Yeah. So he's going to come back. So he, he tracks him down mm-hmm. and he kind of tries to like, hey, you know, remember me? I'm a student. At he, first he picks the, the guy with the ponytail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he literally trips over the guy he's actually looking for because he thinks it's the fucking other guy. Yeah. Um, and then we meet the guy. Yeah, and it's like, well, I mean, hey, I mean, I, you know, I thought, I thought, you know, after looking at your your script a bit more, yeah. you know, I thought your pitch is pretty yeah. good, you know, yeah. I think I'm gonna offer yeah. you a, a deal. It's all for you a deal to produce this, yeah. possibly get this movie produced. 
They go it's to like, a, great. Yeah, wow. They I go, mean, like, you're pretty good. And they then, go to a karaoke bar. Yeah, and then they go to a karaoke bar. And he just drops uh, all pretense. He's just well, like, okay, dude, please just stop with the postcards and you make a movie. It's so funny. Like, oh, and uh, the guy, by the way, is uh, the inimitable. Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio. Who I did not realize was Vincent D'Onofrio because the way he looks in this movie is so funny. He has a giant perm afro thing. He's wearing glasses. He's got a beard. He doesn't look like Vincent D'Onofrio at all. And then you cut, like, they cut into his face. I'm like, like, I audibly was like, oh shit, that's Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. Like, alone in my house. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're in a different house. And, like, they go, they go to, a, like, an karaoke, like, Japanese bar. And they're like, they're like, wow, I feel like I'm in a different country yeah. or whatever. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, he's never been dead yeah. like this before. Vincent D'Onofrio tells him the movie he wants to make. Yeah. And yeah, they get drunk. Yep. Yeah. Tim uh, Robbins is like, oh, that sounds good. We should make it. He's like, that's literally the pitch I gave you that you turned down five months ago. What the fuck? <laughs> they yeah. just get drunk. Right. And they just, you know, they, uh, they talk about it. And yeah. Then, uh, they have words. They have words. And they sort of get into an argument in yeah. the parking lot. Yep. And Vincent D'Onofrio, <laughs> you know, he's very good at making you think he's the guy who's sending the postcard. Yes. He's just like a super shady looking guy. He's like, he's like, I'm not what wrong with He says, literally, he says, you're on my list, buddy, and nothing can change that. <laughs> then he walks out of the bar. As if it's not an incredibly threatening thing to say to a person. <laughs> yeah, you're um, on my list. Yep. And, uh, well, so, of yes. course, because Griffin hears this. Yeah. He's he pretty decides, sure he's a He's, you know, he thinks that he can just, you know, get away with murder. Yep. And that's what happens. Yeah, he, he follows, kills him. Yep, he follows him out to his car. <laughs> he shoves him. No, actually, Vincent drowns Vincent. him. Vincent D'Onofrio shoves him with the door of his car. He yeah. knocks over a thing. He, uh, like, lands in this puddle, and Vincent D'Onofrio is like, oh, shit, dude, you okay? Because he's like, fuck. Yeah. And then he drowns him in four inches of muddy water. Uh, and then he has the bright idea of stealing his wallet and watch and breaking the car of his window to make it look like a robbery. Exactly. He's like, because well, that's well, what people do in yeah. movies. <laughs> he's like, yeah. and he's a fuck. Idiot. I just blatantly killed this person in, in, in like kind of like kind of like broad like yep. you know the street lights are still on. Yep. This is like you know in the middle of the night. Yeah, it's not like it's you know it's like not broad too, daylight. It's not but broad, it is very public. It's very public. Very place. many people could have seen this. <laughs> very public same killer. But he still has the thought. It's like oh well maybe I should just you know scuff up the scene a bit. Maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe yeah. I can feel like this instead of just leaving, yeah. which would have been the smart thing to do. Yeah, because the cops could have just been like oh the student was drunk and fell over and drowned in a puddle of water. <laughs> but no, he decides to uh, make the situation much, much worse for himself. Yeah, and then uh, a very short time later, mm-hmm. uh, one of it, one of his coworkers comes up to him, and he says, uh, "Yeah, we know you did it. Uh, yeah. We, we, yeah. we yeah. got the, the security guy. <laughs> basically, is just like, listen, because he tries to pretend like he didn't even know the guy, didn't even see the guy, and he's just like." Dude, everyone, people know that you saw him. People know that you were the last guy to see him that night. Like, what? Yeah, like everyone knows. What the fuck were you thinking? Um, and so Tim Robinson's Tim Robbins' face when he gets that information is just—it's yeah. so funny because he just maintains a completely straight face. He's just like, mm. yeah, he's just so like. <laughs> This is a really funny understatement. It's a really funny comedic performance because yeah. he's just a guy that just like. He is he is playing the Joel Silver type, or just a fucking madman. He's the player. <laughs> He's the player. I guess I guess you know. Yeah. The guy that has actually been outed recently, Scott Rudin, uh, probably knows another guy we can chalk up on there as influences for this kind of character, mm-hmm. which has been played a lot because 
As it turns out, people who make movies deal with these kind of people a lot. Oh, you think? <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. You think this is uh, a common occurrence? <laughs> In the movie business? <laughs> uh, I, I just want to briefly say two brief things that happened. I think directly before or directly after what what we just mentioned, he, him learning that everyone knows, is that uh, he goes to a meeting uh, uh, with one of the producers and uh, <laughs> our boy, um, well, two boys, uh, uh, Malcolm McDowell, which I think happens after. Malcolm like McDowell is like way later. I think, is it way I think it is way later. Yeah. So I'm thinking of... Um, I'm thinking of uh, Jesus Boogie Nights, but Burt Reynolds, yeah, Burt Reynolds, our yeah. boy. Where <laughs> one scene wonder. It is an insane, masterful piece of cinematography. It is where, where it's in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Well, basically, like it's not gonna appear much in our plot description, but there's a lot of like other like you know, non-connecting yeah. scenes that are really great because yeah. it's basically just Griffin in character, yeah. uh, talking to all these movie stars, playing themselves. Yeah, like he see who does he see. One female star he sees Angelica 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 Houston and John Cusack having a meeting with Larry Levy that's the other bit in this movie is that whenever you see Larry Levy he's always talking to some giant Hollywood star and like you know razzle dazzling them or whatever I know know that we're that caught up because that was an early scene where where he's like you know where it's kind of establishing his character and it's a sort of thing where it's like he's talking to somebody about like you know Let's just not talk about Hollywood for one oh, second, yeah. right? And, and, then, and then he's just like, <laughs> he we're educated people. We could talk about other stuff. Yeah. Silence. Yeah. And then everyone starts laughing. Exactly. It's the end of the scene. And that's the one where you, where you track Angelica Houston yes. and you track, you know, Larry Levy. But this that. movie, cinematography, yes. so then we get another one, another one of those scenes mm-hmm. where it's a restaurant. Yes. We, 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 we stay in the static shot of the people at the tables talking. Burt Reynolds is talking to somebody else at the table, right? He's a producer kind of person. A producer kind of person. He sees Burt Reynolds is chatting with Mm -hmm. him, right? Griffin, the the, the shot is stationary. Stationary. Griffin walks in. He's like, hey, and Burt Reynolds is like, hey, Griffin, what's going on? As soon as he walks away. Yeah. Burt Reynolds. Asshole. (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. I like that guy. Griffin sits down at a table in the background. Yes, in the background, Burt Reynolds is in the the Burt Reynolds is in the foreground. And the audio, that's the other thing. Yeah. Because he starts this conversation uh, with the guy in the background, it's mm-hmm. like kind of muted, and it, and then yeah. the camera zooms in, yeah, to just Griffin yeah. and the other guy talking. The audio and mixes, it yeah, yeah, and it just uh, starts his conversation mm-hmm. one or two minutes of the scene, yeah, zooms back out, yeah, and he goes back past Burt Reynolds. Yeah. They just, <laughs> they just, like, they just very smoothly transition from Burt Reynolds bitching about Griffin <laughs> zooming into Griffin talking about plot stuff with the uh, with the other guy he's talking to and the audio mix like slowly fades into Griffin conversa- into Griffin's conversation and out of Burt Reynolds conversation and I was like man this movie uh, is really well made which is also really funny because it's about how movie execs fuck up movies yes so it's just Robert Altman dunking on people. Yeah. Just being like, I made a movie within the studio system, and it's this good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I get this was this was fine lines. This was like a sport. This was probably an independent movie, but mm. um, I mean, look at. I mean, I bet. I don't know off the top of my head, but I bet fucking McCabe and Mrs. Miller in Nashville were made by major studios, and those are like amazing movies in the studio That's system. True. You know what I mean? So like yeah, he's such a good director. Um, so uh, when he's talking to security guy, he gets a fax. 
mm-hmm. from the guy who's been sending the postcards. Uh-huh. He's not. The guy who Griffin killed yep. isn't the guy that's wrong been guy. stalking him. He killed the wrong Because man. of fucking course he did. Because, of course because he he's did. an idiot. He's an idiot. Why would he have <laughs> actually figured it out? Um, no, I just killed like, this random innocent dude. It's fine. Yeah, it's cool. Which is very funny because, <clears throat> like, I mean... I don't think I, I knew that this, this that was what the thrust of the plot was. Yeah. But when I look back on the HBO Max summary, it says, like, uh, a person get, uh, yeah. murders the wrong yeah. man. Yeah. It's and like, that murder it's, happens, like, thir- 40 minutes into a two-hour movie. Yeah, it's like, like, what? <laughs> it's a weird... That is a weird thing to put in the, like, summary notes. Yeah. Like, just like, oh, this is the, the broad <laughs> plot of the movie. It's just, no, it's not. This is way deeper. You probably should take that off there. I <laughs> should take that off there. Anyway, he gets he gets the facts. He's real, he realizes he's killed the wrong person. Yep. But but he goes to uh, the writer's funeral yes. because he's got the hots for his former girlfriend. Yes, who is Gratisachi, second build actress in the movie. Norwegian? What did she say she is? Because um, her name is well, her, her names are her name is Goodman's daughter. Goodman's daughter. Which is a yeah. It's very. Uh, they make fun about how long the name is and hard it is pronounced. Yeah. Uh, she is a. Uh, Italian Australian actress. Oh, interesting. Um, I assume yeah, the other name is very Italian. Huh. She was born in Italy. I assume she got, and she apparently was dating Vincent D'Onofrio during the production of this movie. Ha! Huh. Yeah, interesting. Do you think he looked like that when she was dating? <laughs> with all part of it, yeah. Do you think, do you think <laughs> that's what? Do you think he just looked like Vincent D'Onofrio and she was like, nah? And then they put him in costume. She was like, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What's up, Vincent? How's it going? <laughs> they didn't meet in this movie, but they, but during the production of this movie, they know. But I like to create these little fun narratives <laughs> yeah, in my head I'm because sure. it's it's very entertaining to me. Entertaining. And well, I like then, posters and yeah, titles. And then yeah, um, yes. Okay, so then he he goes up he goes up to her and strikes up a conversation with her because he has hots for her. He does. Um, and then also we get another another uh, plot deployed, yeah. which is the police investigating the murder. Yeah. Um, one of which is played by Whoopi Goldberg. She's so good. <laughs> which is great. This is a great performance this movie. I did not expect to be so good. I also want to mention that the girlfriend is comically unconcerned with the fact that her boyfriend has just been murdered. She's just yes. like, ah, well, yeah. You know, everyone expects me to like mourn and everything. Just like, yes, yes, they do. That would be a, a, a very understandable human response. Uh, but yes, Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. Is in this movie. She plays the lead detective who is investigating the murder. Investigating the the murder of the, of the writer, Vincent Nafrio. Yes, and she her introductory scene. Uh, she is holding uh, an Oscar. She's in the um, she's in the studio. And she's studio like, can I office. hold this? Yeah, she's in the studio. Can I hold this? Yeah. She's like, yeah. She's like holds it up. She's all like starstruck. Like, I would like to thank my mother, my father, my father's mother. Yeah, and she's. Uh, I mean, of course. I mean, we have to, we have to do the play on. Uh, I like to thank my family. I like to yeah. thank the academy. Yeah. You know, we, we need that reference. Is this, is this pre or post ghost? This is pre, this is post ghost. This is post ghost because they talk about ghosts in the movie. I remember yeah. there's a line about ghosts. Well, that's the thing I told you when we research when we were developing this show mm-hmm. about how ghosts how ghosts did so well. Mm-hmm. That's right. why that reference is in there very because funny. that's a very recent, very popular movie yeah. that they can riff on. Whoopi Goldberg playing a character holding an Oscar, thanking <laughs> people for her Oscar. Yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she interrogates him, doesn't get very much out of him, but she's suspicious of him after meeting him. Yeah. And then, uh, well, the one later scene, the, 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 the scene that's next in the, mm. in the chronology, 
is that he meets these other two writers because he <laughs> because he's uh, he gets an ultimatum from his stalker saying to meet him in this location. Yep. Uh, you know, classic noir kind yep. of thing, right? So he goes there. So he goes there. And these two and guys he's waiting. him down. And then, I mean, of course, these two other ambitious writers flag him down. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, you're Griffin Mill. Yep. You know, let, let me, let me, let me, let me pitch, that, pitch yep, you our movie. Elevator pitch. <laughs> and wow. then we get the classic, we, we get the very funny thing. Who plays the guy? Who plays the guy who does the pitch? Because um, he's guys in stuff. Tom Oakley and Andy Savella. What are those? Um, Dean Stockwell is Andy Savella. I, it's probably Richard E. Grant, right? Richard E. Grant. It yeah. is Richard E. Grant. Yeah. Oh, he's so funny. Yeah. He's so good. So it's like... <laughs> so they, he's cornered. He, and they, yep. they do a pitch. They, he a pitch, pitch for a movie. Yes. like, no stars. No stars. This is issues drama. Yes. About so, a black woman who's accused of her. And it's like, it's very yeah. like... He, he goes yeah. with this very like yeah. heartfelt pitch. About a DA like, who realizes the death penalty only affects black people. So he decides the next person he's going to execute will be rich and white. And then uh, something happens where he can uh, yeah. uh, accuse a rich white woman of murdering her husband. It's and a, then I mean, it doesn't matter because it's, yeah. it's a it's a movie it's, it's a movie it's, pitch. It's so but it's a, but it's, a it's, it's so yeah the way the way Richard E. Grant like, really like, yeah like no stars like the classic like race baby yep. thing mm-hmm. where it's like this is an issues yep. drama. Remember like this is like the, yeah. the, the movie the Oscar movies the movies are about issues. Yeah. You know this is like yeah. I mean this is another thing where the fucking. Uh, the only reason why that Michael Lee movie did so good, like, hey, this has black people in it. Yeah. Wow. This, really? is Engl- this is a movie. This is a, this is a movie from England yep. with black people. Wow, <laughs> I didn't know black people from England. Let's nominate yeah. that movie. Like Richard E. Grant. I mean, like, sells this perfectly because like, he thinks he's so important for Best Picture. Like, this, this is this is the kind of reality that we're in right now in the nineties. That, that's secrets and lies. Well, again, <laughs> well, we're, because because there's one incident where we keep referring back to where Nathaniel and I one time watched. The opening to the 1997 Oscars of Billy Crystal. Crystal. And what's very funny about that is another thing that's relevant to the context of this movie yep. is that there's a whole thing about him talking about, um, not about that, but basically about how transgressive these independent films were, yep. like Fargo, yep. where the Coens come in mm-hmm. with this crazy, you know, like, like black comedy yeah. they've never even seen anything like this yeah, it before gets crazy play when the Oscar movies and the winner of that that year and this kind of Oscar movies of, of that time mm-hmm. were these kind of issues drama so it's very it's very funny yeah. that that this is a pitch that got to them because this is, this is another thing that's very much in vogue <laughs> at the time doesn't Billy Crystal say something like if Jerry Maguire doesn't win we're all we're all dead yes because, because to Tom Cruise's face yes because the joke it, his whole joke and I feel like this is, I guess, like, like there's no internet this time. There's no film Twitter. Like, like the only people that are knowing these jokes are like people in the industry. So yeah. he's like doing this weird thing where it's like, well, there are four independent films and only one studio picture. Yeah. So I mean, like, this is crazy, right? We never heard about this before. Yeah. Like, who's and like so many people watch the Oscars at yeah. this point. Like, who yeah. like who clocks that these are independent films? Yeah. Like Nobody fucking Fargo has made a decent amount of money. He's doing a bit for like five people. In yeah. In, in, at those Oscars. Like except when he sings through all the 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 titles of the Oscars, it's very funny. Yes. <laughs> well, and then of course because like Jerry Maguire is only studio film, so we <clears> jokes about yeah. you know if Jerry Maguire doesn't win, we're all gonna get killed or whatever. Yeah. And then, like he talks to Tom Cruise and he's just fucking loud. Like, oh, yeah, oh, very funny. Yeah. It's him and Nicole sitting there and he's just like, oh, that's really funny. You're talking about me, Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Tom Cruise. What a guy. <sighs> what a guy. But anyway, very interesting. Uh, but because because uh, Griffin yeah. uh, didn't show up alone, uh, the stalker didn't didn't show up. Yeah, because those guys clocked him. Down. Yes, and he gets another post. He I get the stalker. I guess asks a waiter to hand Griffin a postcard and that says you I said come alone yeah come here tomorrow yeah and then like he goes in the car yeah and then he uh, he, he gets another fax yeah and he's like look in your bag yeah <laughs> there's a snake in there <laughs> snake in the bag I just dropped the snake yeah a rattlesnake yeah. which he got from somewhere I don't know. I guess it's a, I guess it's California. I guess you could get a rattlesnake yeah, if you, you want get to. A rattlesnake. <laughs> um yeah, but I mean after <laughs> he kills it with an umbrella uh, takes his shirt off so he can show off his guns. Um, and then, uh, okay, and so then later, next scene is that he likes the the legal drama habeas corpus mm-hmm. so much, and he again he's, he's feeling pressure from Larry from Larry Levy. This whatever. is the movie that got pitched, by the way. Yeah, yeah, the movie that got pitched to him when he when he, when the meeting is botched. Mm-hmm. He brings them into the studio to pitch their, to bring give their pitch to the rest of the executives. Yes, and he feels like Griffin feels like this could be a real Oscar player. Yes, and it's very funny where it's just like mm-hmm. they just do the they, same pitch again. They all they <laughs> like the head of the studio is like ah, I don't know no stars and he's just like trust me, uh, and then later. If I'm following the chronology correctly, he immediately tells his secretary that he's just like, oh, I'm giving this pitch to Larry Levy because this is a terrible fucking idea. Yes. And I want Larry Levy to fuck up so that he'll get fired so that I can keep my job. Yeah. And so he's just like, um, he, he thinks he's such a chess master in that scene. Dude. Well, yeah. No, no, no. But, but well, isn't it that like the, per- the person, like the secretary or whatever is trying to like, is she likes Griffin? She's trying to keep his job or yes. giving it to Larry Levy? Yes. But then Griffin's like... I like this pitch. I'll need a shepherd hit. Yeah. And it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Nothing he does in this fucking movie makes any sense, dude. It's great. <sighs> he, he's an idiot. Like, he's an idiot who plays... Like, Tim Robbins plays him completely straight. So, a lot of people watching this movie might think that he's smart just by the way he acts but then you look at what he does and he's just like nothing he does is in any way intelligent throughout the entirety of this movie like he goes after he gets attacked by the rattlesnake to the dead writer's girlfriend's house and he's just like I need to talk to you I'm I'm very shook right now he's just she's just like yeah he's just like yeah the first night we were on the phone I was like looking at you through your windows it was so new and exciting he just out and out says that to her yes and she is you know Completely fine with it. Yeah, and they 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 they're completely fine with it. She starts yep. hit, hitting hitting it off. Yep. And then one of the best lines in the movie. He's yep. interrogated about Whoopi Goldberg about his relationship this scene. with Greta Sachi because with the tampons because <laughs> naturally yeah. he is the wanted suspect yes. of this person's former yeah. boyfriend. Yeah, because we've been we've been seeing this one guy in scenes who is very obviously following Tim Robbins, and at first you think it might be the guy who's harassing him but then it turns out he's an undercover cop who's been uh sent to surveil him by yes. Whoopi Goldberg yeah and then now Whoopi Goldberg knows that he was he's been yeah that he's that been he, acting very that suspiciously he's been, that he's been uh hanging out uh have been developing a relationship with Greta Sachi of course the the uh the yep. I mean, of the, of the everyone person knows, he kills yeah. everyone knows this because he takes her to a giant party with every Hollywood yes. star in the world yes. at it uh-huh. yeah expecting not to get caught yeah and then his girlfriend, and like a scene later, she she's just like, "You took this woman, and everyone saw you. What the fuck, dude?" <laughs> <laughs> and then she gets filmed with the great one. Yeah, like every tell it to me. <laughs> Did you fuck her? So Whoopi Goldberg asks him if he fucked Greta Sachi. He's like, "Excuse me." He's like, 
pretty, it's a pretty straightforward question. Did you fuck her? It's such a good line delivery. I'm curious. I want to read the script for this movie because I want to know if, like, in the script, the, the, the text was, like, boldened or whatever, or if that's just something that Whoopi Goldberg did. Um, my money's on the second option, I think. Because I feel like that's a very Whoopi Goldberg thing to do, right? Uh, but yeah, it's a great line delivery. The whole interaction is just, I guess, meant to throw him off because she's like talking about, oh, where are my tampons? And her yeah. assistant is just like, oh, they're over here. She's like, no, no, these are these are yours. I have these are like the slim the slim ones. And I have like the the big heavy flow ones. She's just like, I don't I don't have those are yours. She's just like, man, all right, I'm trying to help you. These are yours. Fine, I'll take them. Um, and yeah, they then uh, they just he takes start, her out to top Palm Springs. Yes, of he, they start laughing at him. Yeah, and uh, it cuts to a scene later, and he gets out. I guess. So. Yeah, no, he's he like yeah, yeah, he's out of the interrogation. Yes, and so he takes her. To yeah, him. and he takes her out to Palm Springs. Yes, and he tells her that he <laughs> he yeah. killed her boyfriend. In everything but <laughs> those words, he yes. says it was my fault. I was responsible. Yeah, while we're fucking. Yes. By the way, yes. Like, yeah. While they're in the middle of having sex, he's like, yeah. there's something you need to know. <laughs> I forgot. Yes. Yes. He did all that. Yes. Sex. It's so, oh my God. And it's like, perfect moment. And it's just like, well, <laughs> what a brainiac. And then, of course, as, as she's characterized throughout the entire movie, she just doesn't care. Uh, yeah. She is um, a sociopath, kind of. It's very quickly established that she is, uh, she's a very atypical person. She uh, she she does not care about a lot of things that she should be very alarmed by. Yeah. Um. But yes. Right. So that happens. That happens, and then while he's in Palm Springs, yes, he's informed mm-hmm. that he is a, 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 to appear in the police station for all the lineup mm-hmm. because uh, there's an old lady who lived in that house across the street from the giant from the the the, the, yeah. the karaoke bar yeah. where or yeah. Tim Robbins. Someone like, saw him uh, kill him. Kill Vince because of course they fucking did. Of course they did. Of course, she she uh, says that she saw something, yeah. and uh, she's a comically old woman who's yeah. who's very not well of sight. Mm-hmm. And uh, they make they line him up, and then uh, they they pick a uh, studio guy mm-hmm. who's like one of their co one of his coworkers yeah. who's like in the lineup, yeah. and he just picks him, yeah. and not Griffin, even yeah. though no 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 she picks the undercover cop. That's what it was. The guy who was following him around, working for Whoopi. Oh, Goldberg. Yeah, right. that wasn't that wasn't the studio guy. That was yes. the undercover cop. They, right. that's so correct. he's like, yeah. he's like, that was him, definitely. Yeah. And Whoopi Goldberg's like, oh, you you should. And his defense lawyer is just like chiming in every now and again. He's just like, oh, what, what uh, how long have you had glasses? Blah blah blah. And she's like, it's Whoopi Goldberg. You're not allowed to ask him, or ask her that. And he's just like, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's a very it's a very funny scene. Um, yeah. So he gets off scot free. He gets off scot free. He got away with it. He did. He got away with murder. Cut to one year. Where the head the of the script studio, has been produced. Yes, the this the studio, crazy fucking script. The head of the studio has been ousted by the bank that they uh, that they yeah. that is funding them, I guess. And Griffin Mill is now running the studio. That is something that happens in the movie. They mentioned briefly that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's. it's I, I, mean, I remember this happening, and and the, the synopsis here mm-hmm. says says that the studio guy gets fired. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I guess maybe it's his the, name is Levison, guy. by the way. Yeah. Another, another thing. Yep. Uh, you know what's you know the the guy the creator before Euphoria. Yeah. You you know what's you know what's uh, uh <laughs> you know that, you know that his dad uh, directed like a movie called Rain Man. Oh and, like, really? Yeah. yeah. Barry Levinson. No, that no, guy. I mean, like, Sam, no, Levinson. Sam Levinson's dad. I, I know. You know that, right? Yeah. It's Sam Levinson's dad. Oh, you think so? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. he directed Toys and, I'm aware. Uh, and Rain Man. I know who Barry Levinson Good, is. Good Morning Vietnam. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and the guy in the studios 
Head's name is Levison, not Levinson. Yes. But it is, uh, it is still definitely intentional that his name sounds so similar. Has to be. Right? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, uh, fucking Richard E. Grant's movie got fucking made. And yep. they're showing the, fi- the final trailer yep. to the studio. Julia Roberts. Is about Julia Roberts and Bruce Willis are in it as yep. themselves no in the stars. trailer. Yep. No stars. <laughs> even though the cat- they just turned it into a hack movie. <laughs> yes. And then uh, Griffin's ex-girlfriend, uh, who he cheated on with, uh, <laughs> with the girlfriend of the writer he murdered, it's just like, she turns to Richard Grant and she says, you had a real ending, it was real, what happened? I thought you said no stars, whatever. He's just like, yeah. well, what about no stars? What about this and that? What about the way it tested in Poughkeepsie or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Everyone hated it and now well, everyone loves it. Well, Griffin, Griffin wants, because he, because he liked Richard Grant's pitch so yeah. much, he, he wants to change it. Because mm-hmm. he's like, he's like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Why is Bruce Roberts and yeah. Julia, why is yeah. Bruce Willis, <laughs> Bruce Willis, Bruce Roberts. Why is Bruce Willis and Julia Roberts in this? Why does it end so happily? Yep. And it's like... So fucked So he tries to... Obviously, this, this is what... This is kind of all been kind of like twisting the knife. And like, hey, you know, they could have done this to my movies. Yep. All that. You know, that's the thing. That's what I was saying. Well, that's what they're doing. Now. Well, his, his kind of thing is that, like, that's what they're doing now. When I back when I, back in my day, they didn't do this. Yep. Because, you know, of course, we have, like, you know... Oh, the 1980s happened. Mm-hmm. Fucking, like, Ghostbusters and, like, yep. Goonies and E.T. Mm-hmm. and fucking all that stuff comes out. Mm-hmm. Where it's all, like, crazy blockbuster stuff now. Yeah. Here we go. And then that that's kind of starts our yeah. modern movie making paradigm. Yeah. And then... Uh, so Griffin drives home. Griffin drives home. After his ex-girlfriend is fired from the company. Yes. <laughs> she begs him not to leave and he does anyway. Um, he leaves. He gets a phone call. Phone call. Or uh, on the drive home. He's on the drive home. And he's... And the... Um, Somebody, there's like a thing where it's like, um, he's on with coworkers calls him and he's like, "Hey Griffin, I got a great pitch for you." Yep. There's some guy, you know, he's, he's really, I really want you to hear it. Yep. And he's like, he puts the guy on speaker, the writer, mm-hmm. and the writer says, "Well, it's about a studio executive." Yeah. <laughs> I'm the guy who used to be in the postcard business. Remember me? <laughs> yeah. And Griffin's just like, "Oh, you." <laughs> He's just like, I have this pitch about a studio executive who murders the wrong writer and gets away with it. And fucks his girlfriend. And no, they live happily ever after. No, but the whole the whole thing is like and it's like the blind delivery is, here's the kicker. Mm-hmm. He gets away with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and, and he's doing that yeah. as he's driving home mm-hmm. to his wife. So it's obviously the guy who was harassing him. Obviously obviously, of course, you know, because he has he knows so much about yeah. what Griffin is doing. He has decided to uh, write the thing that just happened into a movie. Yeah. What's it called? The Player. <laughs> the Player. <laughs> and, it's, and then Griffin Mel is like, if you can guarantee me a happy ending, I'll let you make the movie. And he's like, done. Yep. Deal. If you can guarantee me a happy ending, which, you know. Yep. And then know. he gets that, to the house. And that's the ultimate blackmail. He walks off into the sunset with... Uh, Greta Sachi. Yep. That's the end of the movie. And the movie ends. <laughs> it's like, well... And we... It is revealed... I think within the plot that we have just watched the movie, that yes, beca- because because uh, the poster the yeah. poster for the movie, if you look closely at it, mm-hmm. it's a poster within a poster. Like it has credits like twice, and yep. we're like we're, we're uh, Tim Robbins stepping out of it. Mm-hmm. It has like two credit blocks. Yeah. It's just like a poster on a brick wall. Yes, it's pretty funny. Yeah, I love that. 
Um, and it's got like a, a film reel tied into a noose on it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yeah. Good poster. Yeah. Great poster. But no, the, the, the two credits thing I didn't notice before. Yeah. Before when I, when I was looking at yeah, stuff today. So I'm like, oh wait, this is this is very funny. He's stepping over the credits. Yes. That's funny. Um, but yeah, we've just watched, and that would explain the clapperboard at the very beginning of the movie. Correct. Because it was a movie the whole time. It was in a movie. Yeah. And that's why there's all this stuff is so crazy. Because this is a heightened reality yep. of a movie. Yep. Which would make sense. So Habeas Corpus is a movie within a movie within a movie. It's, it's <laughs> fucking crazy. <laughs> I want to watch Habeas Corpus. <laughs> Habeas Corpus. I want to watch it. Julia Roberts. <laughs> Julia Roberts and Bruce Willis. Come Very on. young in this movie. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, it means... Like, 1992. A couple years after Die Hard. Yeah. Um... Bruce Willis has hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has hair and death becomes her this yeah. year. So. He just, he saves her from the gas chamber by ripping a shotgun out of a guard's hand and shooting the glass. <laughs> yeah. And then he picks her up. She was like, what took you so long? He was like, traffic was a bitch. And they kiss in the movie. <laughs> it's like another, like, hack- the fucking hacky line. Richard like- E. Grant fully sold out. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, he was fully so because I mean he's he's a writer. He wants Oscar success. Yes, he does. And uh, within the world of the player, that movie's probably gonna win all the Oscars. Maybe it, it might possibly will because Griffin's on top of the world right yes, now. Yes, he is. He, he's not gonna, you know. And uh, yeah, the credits for this movie are funny too because it's like the primary actors and then as themselves, sixty-five people. Yep. Just like every actor all here. Goldie Hawn in the movie. Uh, uh, I guess we can bring up Michael Malcolm McDowell now because we talk about what we talk because we talk we talk here about the one of the other best cameos. This is Malcolm McDowell. Oh, Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> or, uh, backtracking for a bit. Yeah, or it's, 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 it's in like the second or third actor or whatever. He briefly runs into Malcolm. He briefly runs into Malcolm McDowell. Says Malcolm McDowell, how's it going? He's, Malcolm McDowell's like, oh hi. You ever want to talk shit about me again? Do it to my face. You people are all the same. And then he walks away. One like one or two lines. Malcolm McDowell. Then he's gone. Oh my god. And then he runs into Andy McDowell, and then they have a conversation about. Oh, Andy McDowell's like, oh well, I'm not related to Malcolm McDowell. It's weird. <laughs> it's just it. They just talk about the McDowell family. This movie. This movie is really great. Yeah, it's a great. It's a great riff on ho- on Hollywood movie making. Yeah. Great satire. It, it's a great. It's a great satire. It's a great like kind of like funny like riff on like the noir story where it's, like, <laughs> again it's another thing where it's like the it's like basically think where it's already solved and it's just like yeah. him bumbling around because yeah. he's like sort of because he just has his head head far so far off his own ass he, yeah. he thinks he can like evade all this stuff and it's yeah. just very funny and he does it yeah. he, he succeeds he gets away with it in spite of himself in spite of himself uh, yeah man which might be a commentary on uh, maybe some of the sexual assault stuff that happened you know, maybe I mean we're all in the industry for yeah. decades and yeah. I'm sure this should happen mm-hmm. <laughs> just watching movie producers get away with insane shit yeah. that any other person wouldn't have gotten away with no um, but yeah it's it's great and I would highly recommend watching it yeah Highly recommend it. It's yeah. Um, if you like movies, if you, if you if you get the deep references like we do with cinephiles, you'll mm. only enjoy it even more. Yes. People like us, like I feel like most people could enjoy this movie just on the surface level of it being funny and it being really well made and yeah. being engaging to watch, right? Correct. But people like if you're a huge person who's really into movies and into like the nitty gritty production you know behind the scenes shit like we are this is just such an entertaining movie 
to watch. Yeah, that's it's so just, good. It's just, it's just, there's just so much, like so many of the of the the, the, the lines, just all 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 the different stuff. Mm-hmm. There's so much talk about bicycle thieves. It's crazy. It's like it's very funny where this yeah. like because they're clearly like trying to be like refined people. They're like, mm-hmm. yes, I oh, yes. I know film. Yes, the bicycle bicycle thief. <laughs> it's called the bicycle thief, not bicycle thieves, right? The movie. Wait, the movie in this movie is called the bicycle thief. I know that. I th- a lot of people call that movie the bicycle thief. Oh really? I don't know if like what. Let me see what. That I, thought, I think that movie is called Bicycle Thieves in real life. I mean, it's Italian with translation. Oh, true. But uh, I don't know. Like we'll see what. I don't know if the choice translated. But anyway. Oh yeah, sometimes known in the United States as the Bicycle Thief. Yes. Interesting. Well, well, this, well. This is an era where you could only see the Bicycle Thief at a old, at a old uh, little. Yeah. The theater, the little teeny tiny one. Yeah, yeah. Or not a lot. No, of, no, no Criterion collection. Yeah, not a lot of uh, VH. Criterion collection yeah. only did laserdisc at this point. They're not. They haven't expanded out. There's yeah. no DVDs yet. Yeah, a lot of uh, not a lot of VHSs of Bicycle Thieves. No. Uh, again, like I said, Criterion collection not really prevalent at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so, a lot of home video yeah. of these movies. So, so yeah. very desperately want to be seen as austere. Yes, they want to be austere yeah. and refined because they're LA athletes. <clears throat> yeah. And they want to feel like they, they know the medium and they think of art so much. Yep. Film is art. Yep. It's <laughs> another great part. Film <laughs> is art. <laughs> um, but yeah, the movie. So good. HBO Max. HBO Max right Watch now. It. I mean, we don't know how much longer we'll be on a casino. Yeah. It just flips and flops all this stuff. If it happens to be still on HBO Max when you're listening to this go watch it go watch it I mean Peacock also lost like 1.6 billion dollars as it turned out today so uh yeah I mean all these streaming fucking services you know what after you're done watching Euphoria season 2 give the player a watch yeah <laughs> turn on some good entertainment yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay you're right that's a Euphoria season 2 that's not the representative yep yeah. <laughs> this does not represent <laughs> the producers of the show Actually, it does, because Ethan is the producer of the show. <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, should I announce... Now it's the player. And I think the annual. I think yeah. you can announce the next episode. I think I can. I'm pretty solidly... Uh, yeah, I think this is what it's going to be. It's uh, The next episode is me again. We're going to be talking about a martial arts movie. And the one we're going to be talking about is the uh, seminal Indonesian martial arts, martial arts film, The Raid. The Raid. Starring Iku Wyas, directed by, I always get this wrong. Gareth Evans? Gareth Evans. Yes. Because that is not the guy who directed Rogue One, who has a very similar name. Gareth Edwards. Yes. Yes. Always get those two mixed up. But Gareth Evans directed this movie. It's one of the most violent, visceral uh, action martial arts movies ever made. Certainly made in the 2010s. Uh, It sort of revitalized the genre, you know? Uh, it sort of made people really into good martial arts choreography and cinematography again, you know, because action movies at this point, especially in the United States, the action movies you're watching are not super well choreographed or edited, right? Right. Uh, and then the, the raid comes around and it breaks through a little bit in the United States. Um, this is 2011, so this is before John Wick even. Yeah, um, exactly. And uh, it's a very simple little movie about a bunch of cops who raid, ah, ah, who mm-hmm. raid an apartment building looking for a gangster. And uh, it's gonna be fucking awesome. I love this movie. 
love talking about it. I can't wait to watch it. I finally got an excuse to watch this movie. Yes! I'm so excited. We need to watch this together. We have to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. But um, should I announce my plans for my half of the programming? Yeah. Should we do this now? Yeah. Good a time as any. Because I mean, we can add a couple minutes on this episode. Yeah. Who cares? Um. So, I realized I had selected the player because I wanted to do a movie that was very easy to watch. Right after um, a basic instinct. Yes. So I went through and like, oh, the player. I've never seen that. I think it'd be good to talk about. Got Oscar attention, whatever. Mm-hmm. I was also looking through. I was looking through movies to watch movies to maybe see after this. Mm-hmm. And some some movies that I want to talk about keep coming up. And as it turns out, that I feel like we can make a little make a little partition here. Oh yeah. And. So I'll, I can announce that for the foreseeable future, in a canon that I will not reveal, because we want to keep this, you want to keep it fresh, you want to keep you guys guessing on yep. what is I'm gonna pick next. But for a lot, for a little while longer, we are gonna be talking about because the coincidence was is that when I picked the player, I picked Basic Instinct. Yeah, they're both from the, the year. Yeah. Of 1992. Yeah, sure. So, I curated myself a little canon mm-hmm. of movies in this ilk. Yes, you did. That, uh, that we're going to talk about that were all released in 1992. Yep. So, I have a good chunk of stuff that I that I think there's really good stuff to talk about. There's some really great seminal movies. I mean, you can probably guess what a couple of them are, probably, mm-hmm. by the way I talk about these kind of movies in this yep. show, of course. Yep. But there'll be some oddball picks. There'll be some curveballs here and there. You showed it to me, folks. I'm excited yeah. for a few of these. There will be some hot balls here and there. Yeah. Uh, there'll be some. Yeah. There'll be some. Some later movies. Some more serious movies. Um, maybe one, one, one or two of the lighter movies. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um. I'm so excited. So excited, and we're we're gonna get into that soon. And I'll I'll I mean I haven't exactly decided what the fifth episode is, but by the time we record the raid episode, we, you'll know. Yes. What the next one is. Yes. But I mean, if you peruse the uh, 1992 top box office charts and uh, uh, Oscars, uh, you'll probably can guess what some movies are. But we'll we'll keep the surprise going. Yeah. So uh, look 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 forward for that in the coming months. Um, and yeah, so tune in. Tune in next episode for the raid. I'm very excited Yee. to watch this. Hell yeah. And thanks for listening. Really. Thank you so much. Thank folks. you so much. You're listening. To we this. have no idea. We still have not launched the podcast. I'm trying to uh, build a little stable, get a real launch going. Yep. But I mean, by the time you hear this, we'll be chugging. But yep. not a fucking clue what the response to this is going to be. But we hope it's good. We hope we it's good. We appreciate great. you listening. We appreciate you. Our friends liked the last one, so yes. I feel like at least they will like this. Well, I didn't know you showed it to anybody else. No, they even listen. Oh shit! Okay, that's yeah. cool. All right. I'll talk about this off mic. Anyway. Anyway. Um, this is this is inside <laughs> baseball. <stuff. laughs> yes. Of course. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, tune in next week for the raid. Yep. Uh, see you guys later, everybody. Bye bye.